listening to Hope for Today Church podcast. We're so glad that you're joining in this virtual space. We believe that as you listen, Jesus will minister to you right where you are. So open up your mind and your heart to what the word would say to you today. Thank you for joining us. And remember, Jesus is our hope for today. Right on. Now today's, um, I guess you called a, a bittersweet uh, service um, today. We're gonna get into the Word and and look at um, a very practical, you know, spirit empowered message. Um, but at the close of the message time, we're going to uh, have a send off of blessing for uh, Jim Nordyke and uh, and also with uh, Leslie and Wesley, uh, Wesley, sorry, uh, as they uh, move on to uh, another church in Mississauga, um, and Jim will be serving there as a, a music uh, director. Uh, and so we're going to get to that. We want to make time for that. But first, we want to get into the Word. Uh, and the title this afternoon is uh, appropriate, considering what today is about, Serving Like Jesus, A Call to Ministry. Serving Like Jesus, A Call to Ministry. And I'm, I have to tell you, Today, um, I'm going to uh, endeavor by the grace of God to speak to you about this transformative theme of serving like Jesus. And the reason why I say it like that is I'm not perfect in this. This is something that I'm still leaning into. I'm still growing, serving like Jesus and answering the call to serve like Jesus. And so our journey this afternoon together begins in the gospel of Mark, beginning in verse 35. And before we get there, the verses leading up to this beautiful uh, instructional piece of Jesus is that Christ has been sharing many teachings with his followers. In fact, he's been speaking and foretelling, hinting, if you will, about his own death and resurrection that was going to take place. And it says here in Mark 10, verse 32, they were on the road going up to Jerusalem and Jesus is walking ahead of them. And the disciples were astonished, but those who followed him were afraid. Taking the 12 aside again, he began to tell them the things that would happen to him. See, we're going up to Jerusalem. The son of man will be handed over the chief priests and the scribes and they will condemn him to death. Then they will hand him over to the Gentiles and they will mock him, spit on him, flog him and kill him. And he will rise after three days. This call of the son of man is not glorious in nature, but it must had to be Done. And I love how it says right at the beginning of that passage, it says that Jesus walked ahead of him. Good leaders lead the way. They lead in the trenches. They don't look for applause. They don't look for people to call them out by name and have them stand up and be given honor. We're praised in that of man. He is leading the way, uh, showing and signaling servant leadership. And this foretelling of his impeding uh, suffering, as he says, and the death that he would endure for our sake is what sets the scene for James and John and the sons of Zedebi to approach Jesus with a request. 
quite the request, in fact, of having a position of honor in his kingdom. And so here we pick up in verse 35, it says, James and John, the sons of Zedabib, approached him and said, teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask. Sounds kind of similar to today, doesn't it? Jesus, we want you to do what we ask. We're hearing your name and you're going to do it. We're going to shout really loud and we're going to make it come together. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus says. And they answered him, allow us to sit at your right and at your left in your glory. And Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup I drink or to be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We are able, they told him. Now back up here just for a moment, back to verse 36. What do you want me to do for you? It's appropriate here to understand that Jesus at one point, we don't exactly know when in which uh, this following teaching would have occurred, but Jesus did tell his followers, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so the Father may be glorified in the Son. He would go on and saying by, by moving in such a way that you will know that the Son is sent by the Father. And if you don't believe I'm in him and he is in me, at least believe because of the signs. And so you can understand from one perspective of why James and John thought this was the prime opportunity to make such a request. Lord, you said, ask anything. Perhaps they thought this was that opportunity. And so they said, we are able. And Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and you will be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or my left is not mine to give. Instead, it is for those of whom it has been prepared. Verse 41, when the 10 disciples heard this, they began to be indignant with James and John. You can understand their emotions. How dare James and John stand up and say maybe the very thing they were thinking amongst themselves. And Jesus called over them and said, you know that those who regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you will be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that's where we're going to rest here today. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so here we have the request in verse 37, the, the evidence, James and John approaching Jesus with this request for position of prestige, if you will. And it's worth knowing that the request appears to show a lack of understanding or, or, or perhaps, yeah, of his nature of Christ and the kingdom and the path, the greatness within it, that the, despite Jesus' repeated teachings about his coming suffering, his sacrificial service, they seem to be preoccupied with this thought of honor and glory in a worldly sense. 
It's hard to detach yourself from what you've seen, what has been modeled for you all around. But before we can get to see what serving like Jesus looks like, we have to appreciate Christ's loving correction in the midst of that request. Note he didn't say, get behind me, Satan. He was just correcting their motivations. Scripture tells us Jesus is the good shepherd looking out for his flock. I like to imagine myself in that scene saying such a thing. And I can envision Christ so gently but appropriately bold in approaching my request. The Gentiles, they look for these things and they lord over people. But as for you, that's not for you. I'm calling you to a different way. And when you think about a shepherd, you have to think about the sheep. Doesn't the scripture tell us that the sheep of the flock of God hear his voice and follow him? And what sparked this conversation was Jesus foretelling his death and resurrection. What would happen? He would be lifted up. But also more than this, this teaching created the backdrop that highlights for us here and now the contrast between self-sacrificial mission and the aspirations for position. Self-sacrificial mission and service and aspirations for positions of honor. You know, I have to admit, I have a hard time turning on the TV some days and even sometimes going to gatherings of the applause that people seek in the house of God. Maybe I'm wrong on this. And the Bible says to give honor where honor is due. But there's so many times you go to a place and in a gathering and there'll be this chunk of time like just lifting up man. And that's something that disturbs my spirit because this, this passage shows us that's not what this is about. If you desire to follow Jesus, it's not gonna be one of great position or prestige. It's gonna cost you something. If you're gonna take after his heart, you're gonna serve in the way of his leadership. And so from another perspective, the uh, gospel according to Luke, he writes in Luke 22, 24, and a dispute arose among them about who should be considered the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who have authority over them have themselves called benefactors. It is not to be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever is greatest among you should become like the youngest, and whoever leads like the one serving. And I love this visual that Jesus gets us, because we all go out to restaurants, we all go out and eat, and he says, for who is greater, the one who's at the table or the one who's serving? And then he says, but I am among you as the one who serves. I really believe if Jesus was here today, now obviously we're gonna lift him up, we're gonna shout his name, but if he came into the place and he wanted to teach and give a practical example, he would show how the inappropriate actions that people take and thinking that's what God is calling them to. Applause, applause. Servant leadership is the heartbeat of Christ, loving in his teachings and actions. And this is something that I'm still learning. You know, there was a time where I served in 
uh, quite a few large churches. And I have to admit, it was very cool when you would get up and stand and the whole group, everyone would stand up and just, and I know in some, in some hearts there's genuine, they're giving people honor, but you kind of coveted that. Well, people, it's almost like, wow, like, look, these people are standing for me. How wonderful is this? But Jesus reminds us it's not about the accolades. It's about serving, laying down your life for no greater love is this than to lay down your life for your friends. I don't know, is this resonating with you? Anyone who has waited tables, I think of my wife, she's here today, she worked at Applebee's for a number of years and she waited on tables. And I saw her once in action when we first met and we were dating and I thought, wow, she's really good at this. She was speedy, but on the ball and, her, and the people that she was serving, they loved her for it, but it involves something that is part of this servant leadership, endurance. You have to have endurance when you're serving. <laughs> I, heard, I heard my life, wife chuckle, yeah. Jesus gives us the strength, no doubt, to, to serve as, as his people. There's blessing, yes, there's provision in his name, amen. But sometimes more than not, that service that's aligned with the heartbeat of Jesus, as I said earlier, will cost you something. A church plant, I believe, highlights that more than anything else. It's gonna cost you. It's gonna be tough. It's not gonna be convenient. I testify it's not convenient, but it's worth it. There's something about stepping into the trench, going ahead and saying, I'm there, I'm gonna serve, and I'm gonna make the way for those who are following behind me. This is the picture that Jesus shows us. It says in Matthew 16, 24, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. What is that speaking of? Cost, counting the cost. And the beautiful piece that I love as I ponder on the scripture in relation to this passage is that when we do this, we know that we're seated in Christ in heavenly places. Hello, we have the best seat in the house. We're witnessing God's glory on display and not ours. And the apostle Paul, who understood this so well, he says in 2 Timothy 2.12, if we endure, we will also reign with him. And if we deny him, he will also deny us. Are you ready to serve like Jesus? Just pause for a moment and let that just seek in, seep in, sorry, to your heart. See the value of service. See the value of that service. Now, how many times, and just like me, we're in the position like James and John, maybe asking for something where the motivations you realize as you spent time in the spirit, he realigns your heart and you realize 
That's not of the Lord. I would like that to happen, but that's not of him. But without parking there and leaving there, the beautiful piece here in verse 36 is it shows us Jesus is always keen and able to act upon our request. So think as you offer that prayer. Those motivations are important. He goes and talks about this, this cup you will not be able to bear. This cup and this baptism were speaking to the suffering and the challenges that he would face. And we can see James did not, and, and John did not fully understand the depth of what they were asking and what Jesus meant in the moment. But it's evident throughout scripture, and as the scribes wrote, they did eventually understand and experience because of that request, sharing in those challenges and sufferings of Christ. I, I mentioned last week how when you pray for something, the Lord hears and he answers. And when you pray for empathy, he puts you in situations where you learn it. And so as proof, I'm going to ask Megan, I almost, I almost forgot. Sorry, sweetie. If you could click this video uh, when I was filming the game right for the church, but I hear it along the road. It might, it might freeze. Try again. <laughs> Okay. Okay, as you see, there's utility vehicle. Just go to the picture, sweetie. You see here on the video going down 24, we see a Medigas truck. There it is. Last week I was talking about how I worked for this company and leave that on the screen. And going to people's houses and those places of helping them their last legs of life, so to speak. I learned empathy. And as we began this church plant, literally a week before we began, as I'm taking footage for our welcome video, that would welcome people as they come to this house. As I was driving along, I didn't even notice it in the moment. But as I watched back the video, I'm like, oh my goodness, look what's in that shot. The Medigas utility vehicle that I drove for months, bringing oxygen to those who need it most. It made me think of this. Jesus says he's life, breath, and everything else. In him we live and we move and we have our very being. And when we serve and we align ourselves with him, even in prayer, he answers and that he empowers you to bring oxygen, if you will, bring life to people. There's a value in serving. And so what does servant leadership look like? It's a good question to ask yourself. What does that look like? We see here in verse 41, it says, when the 10 disciples heard this, they became indignant with the two. And Jesus called them over and said to them, you know that those who regard as rulers of the Gentiles lord over them and those in high positions act as tyrants over them, but is not so among you. Whoever wants to become great must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you will be a slave to all. 
For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and get, give his life as a ransom for many. And what I appreciate about the setup in 41, this is about us not getting mad when the Lord answers the prayers of other folk and how he's moving in them in the areas of service. You've probably heard people say, stay in your lane. At the end of the day, I have no desire to emulate any other person but Christ. Paul said, imitate me as, as I imitate Christ. He's not saying, well, you better just at least imitate me because I'm imitating the Lord. He, no, he's saying, I'm endeavoring by God's power to live like Christ. That's who I'm seeking to mirror. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. We live in a time in a Christian society where we measure ourselves to people. But people will fail you. Leaders will fail you. I could fail you. but you can't lift up and prop up leaders to a place that Jesus never intended of this le a level of prestige they never called them to. He says, anyone who wants to be great among you must be a servant of all. Focus on keeping your heart aligned with Jesus. And so here in this moment, this statement became a catalyst, if you will, for James and John and all the disciples for that matter to understand, well, well wait a second here. Maybe we have this backwards. Jesus is showing us where our priorities should lie. You have to love the good shepherd. As I said, he's with us. He's in the conversation. He's leading us and guiding us. And along the way, James and John and others would have saw as Jesus broke bread before them. And he said, he broke bread and he gave thanks. And he says, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And before he went to the cross, before he was arrested and flogged and whipped, he said, if you keep my commands and remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remained in his love, I have told you these things so that in me, your joy may be complete. My joy may be in you. And this is my command, love one another as I have loved you. There is no greater love than this than to lay down his life for his friends. And so James and John, once known as the sons of thunder, became dearly loved ones of Christ in the mission of the kingdom. In fact, John became the disciple whom Jesus loved dearly. They saw this manifest presence of God moving in them and through them in the counsel of the Lord's spirit. And so the big idea for today, our walking point is this, serving like Jesus aligns our heart with that of Christ. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. To serve like him is my goal. Is that your goal? We know that it's impossible in and of ourselves. But that's why we can hold on the truth of scripture. With man, that's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. He's the one who gives strength. He's the one who brings the growth. 
And so when we rally around this and not only embrace this teaching and saying, that sounds great, that sounds nice, but we actively participate in what he's calling us to, then we will see revival. It won't be misshaped. It won't be fluff. It won't be hype. It'll be transformational. You will see fruit and fruit that will last. And I thought about this, where Jesus says about the cup and what he would endure. Do you realize at the cross, it was at the cross, he captured the world's attention for all history, for all time. And that through us, through our self, selfless service, we capture the attention of that of our neighbor through the same acts of service. And so I asked myself this afternoon, Andrew, what are you willing to lay down for the sake of your neighbor? What's that cost? It's in the selfless acts that will connect with people and show the love of Christ. And so a prayerful point I just really sense in my spirit to share with you as it ministered to me, as you kneel, like the Apostle Paul said, as we looked at last week, I kneel before the Father and I pray that he will strengthen you within the inner man and you have eyes to see the fullness and the love and the depths of God, that we can kneel before him and say, Lord, wash my feet. He who said, unless I wash your feet, Peter, you could have no part of me. And what I mean by that, as we pray, we say, Lord, I've been so used to walking in such a way. Would you refresh me in a way, cleanse my feet that I will walk after you in the trail that you have blazed. When we take a hold of what he's saying here, we'll be willing to make the appropriate course corrections and in that we will encounter his commanded blessing. Serving like Jesus. For the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And the last point um, before we transition is serving like Jesus involves the whole family. It's not just serving in a pulpit and, and preaching in a place such as this, but it involves all of us in the places where we live, where we do life, in the workplace. And Jesus showed that by how he washed the disciples' feet. You notice he didn't wash their feet in the synagogue? It further illustrated his humility and the importance of service. He says in John 13, 14, so if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. And what this shouted to me this afternoon, if I can even put it that way, when we act in such a way, when we desire to genuinely lift others up, regardless of what the role looks like, that will lead to life transformation. And so I wanna invite Jim uh, to start making his way to the front as we transition here. 
But the Bible tells us in Ephesians 4, verse 12, it says that he who ascended to heaven to fill all things was the one who gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry and to build up the body of Christ. Each of us contributes uniquely and forming this harmonious symphony of God's love and action. And so we want to...